Greetings out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. Thank you all for your viewership. Please like and subscribe. Consider supporting if you haven't already. Thank you very much. I appreciate every single one of you. Uh, you know, leave a like, leave a comment. Thank you very much. This is what I thrive on. So today I'm going to be speaking about the ley lines of the world and their importance to the SSP. I guess, guess the easiest way to do it, to get into the subject of ley lines and their importance to the SSP would be to start with um, the path to discovery, the path to belief in ley lines, the path to conversion to the ley line, uh, master race, I guess you would call it, uh, using the language of memetics. You know, at first study, at first the study of paranormal phenomenon, at first the entrance into this world is, you know, initially through experiences, but also through an initial curiosity for experiences, a curiosity for experiences that really um, can take many forms and mature into different uh, varieties of its true self, which, which is curiosity, which is... Um, you know, great questioning nature for the truth, a great thirst for the truth, a great hunger for knowledge. A lot of people become mired into the materialistic framework of the world and become mired into the uh, matters of works, the matters of human labor, the matters of human law, and they begin to form very strange opinions about you know where this world is going and what it's really about stranger still a lot of people become very enlightened and become very enthralled by uh, the natural world and the the laws of nature and the laws of this uh, material universe as uh, as mysterious and um, alluring but ultimately benevolent forces. These, uh, you know, people I think are more correct in their assumptions and more correct in their uh, pursuits of truth. They did come close to the mark in their attempts at enlightenment than in pursuing the world of uh, man, the world of uh, the great city Babylon, the great global Babylon. Uh, system, and maybe when they themselves have experiences, or when they themselves unlock the secrets to having these experiences, they were a, a at a more open uh, vantage spiritually, a more open position of ascendancy to ascendancy, and um, they may be able to record and testify to these to what they witnessed, testify to these experiences and begin to spread uh, the truth to those who, like themselves, are thirsty for knowledge, who hunger for knowledge, but at the same time just haven't had their experiences yet. I believe that these laws of the universe, these great metaphysical uh, powers of the matrix that we call our universe, our, our solar system, our Earth, our plane, you know, our dimensional uh, 
branch or division in the great spectrum of being uh, can pass itself down uh, from creator to creation, uh, much like the divine spark of life is passed down through parent to child. But I also believe that this is not an isolated phenomenon. No phenomenon on Earth is entirely isolated from another. Uh, there are many events like it in this world and many repetitions of occurrences, many repetitions of happenstance. The world itself is a near infinite expanse on a plane of, uh, you know, solidified energy. And... It is limitless in its uh, repetitious uh, frequencies of events. And at the same time, you have to take in the fact that there's a lot of pretty big numbers and the nature of uh, nature itself is uh, rarity. It's rarity, uh, clandestine uh, forces, clandestine actions, secrecy, covertness. So it is up to us to kind of piece together the mysteries, to piece together these phenomenon, to kind of uh, correlate what we call consensus reality, consensual reality, and uh, really, you know, lift the veil, peek behind the veil and look at the mysteries. Many good-willed and very intelligent people uh, tend to entirely focus on the material universe and... Uh, create meaning out of sheer collection of data or sheer uh, exploration of territory. Others find their enlightenment and their uh, intellectual appetite satisfied by coming up with correlations, coming up with the uh, evidence to prove theories of a coherent and unified uh, field theory, if you were, of the paranormal or of the unexplainable of these uh, miraculous uh, events and miraculous, uh, you know, incidences. Um, and they have basically done the legwork for any of those who hunger for truth in this matter because their data does correlate that there is some phenomenon uh, occurring along certain pathways, along certain lines of the earth that we have called the ley lines. There are certain triangulations of energy called the vile vortices. There are, are magnetic, uh, magnetic uh, anomalies, uh, and itself the magnetic field is a type of scientifically acceptable and mainstream version of the ley line theory. And at the same time, uh, there are many different and uh, provocative theories regarding the ley lines and their importance for, for example, extraterrestrial activity, uh, interdimensional being activity, uh, quantum field uh, manipulation uh, events such as time travel, such as uh, the Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia uh, experiments type incidences of teleportation and uh, phase shifting. Um, as well as uh, forming doppelgangers or meeting of alternative selves or communicating between uh, uh, levels of vibrational density between ascended beings and less ascended beings such as ourselves. These ley lines, uh, this data, is very eye-opening. It's very much uh, something that I believe the UFO community has, you know, ingrained itself to it. It understands very well. I believe that uh, 
its connection to the SSP isn't very fleshed out, isn't very well understood. But as far as the SSP is concerned, I believe that the U.S. military, Solar Warden, and um, other Earth-based uh, secret space program uh, or organizations such as Notwaffen, such as the you know British secret space program, such as the Mesoamerican Maya Aztec uh, Incan uh, secret space program, such as the you know from the Hollow Earth, such as the Dra Orion Draco reptilian uh, secret space program. Uh, there are a number of programs on Earth that operate uh, along these ley lines, using these ley lines as uh, refueling stations for their ships because they can draw and siphon off power from the Earth's own electric magnetic grid, as well as, like previously before mentioned, as thin points to access uh, interdimensional travel or access communication to interdimensional beings, uh, as well as gain and reap rewards and benefits from exposure to such energies, uh, usually rarely encountered on Earth, are extremely difficultly manufactured on Earth, such as uh, naturally formed healing radiations, uh, alchemic type reactions to base metals, such as mercury to gold, um, etc., etc., these have oftentimes been attributed to other phenomenon, such as this uh, facility in the Mojave Desert, which uh, it's it's does use a healing sound. That is a actual thing. It uses a sacred sound to heal, but it's also built on one of the strongest ley lines. And really, any travel or um, occupation of a ley line will offer tremendous health benefits will offer tremendous uh, augmentations to one's emotional and uh, uh, emotional sensitivity and prowess uh, both to receive and and, uh, and project one's intentions as well as a very you know like a boost in one's psychic potential one's psychic power so why meditation on ley lines is important there is also a lot of secrecy involving ley lines that the SSP is involved with. The SSP is involved with covering up and uh, discovering many ancient technologies that have already existed on SSPs, established and constructed by ancient SSP programs, either from the reptilians, the Orion Draco, or from um, the Mesoamerican Mayan, who completely populated the Western Hemisphere up from the North Pole to the South Pole, like when it was connected by a land bridge to South America, Patagonia. Um, they are very sensitive about the populations that live on ley lines. They monitor the powers to be, monitor the uh, citizens and civilians that live on ley lines or who, are, who move there, like sensitive to the energies that are drawn there, such as in Arizona or in Nevada. A lot of military bases are built on ley lines, securing the land and securing um, the area for observation and for study for the military in use of, uh, you know, in case visitors and travelers from, from these dimensions are uh, from across the uh, vast expanse of the earth uh, occur. Uh, you know, the most famous being in Roswell, but them occurring over hundreds of spots in the world because like the human body the ley lines are the currents the nerve the nervous system of the earth and psychic travel 
basically mimics, mimics the travel of an electrical impulse from one part of the body traveling to the brain and then, you know, it, it, the whole uh, action reflex mechanism of the, of the neurological system is mimicked when uh, these ley lines are operated on or utilized by any power. They, this is why you can achieve uh, incredible speeds that would seem, you know, impossible and almost uh, death-defying speeds and maneuverability uh, because you're using uh, rail systems, basically, of electromagnetic energy, and you're tapping into that and, this, you know, achieving these great potentials of travel and inertia and thrust. And mechanically, that sounds, you know, miraculous, that sounds uh, fantastic, but really... These things are are quite achievable. They're quite achievable, and they they were achieved early, very early on in human history by Nikola Tesla, and modern. And I mean, in the Western American reset history by Nikola Tesla, but they were achieved very early on in human development. Uh, many of the ancients used these ley lines to travel directly to each other, and thus it sounds kind of. Uh, and, you know, hard to believe for us, but the, the earliest human societies were global, uh, you know, internationally dominating cultures like uh, the city of Babylon, which was the Tower of Babel. The entire earth was united with a common language, um, you know, and, the, and there are other pre, uh, I guess you call it pre-Roman uh, civilizations such as ancient Egypt, such as Atlantis, such as Lemuria, such as Mu, that were able to control most of the Earth uh, through the capture and the use of ley lines. The technology may be primitive and the populations may be uh, very small when you consider today's, but at the same time, they were able to, you know, definitely tap into these resources, definitely tap into these energies, uh, uh, potentials, and use them to create the monoliths that we see, you know, as the great pyramids that are impossible by construction standards of today, uh, they were they were achieved. They were you know engineered using uh, the magnetic forces of the ley lines, using the magnetic forces of the electrical magnetic uh, grid, the nervous system of the Earth itself. Um, the vile vortices uh, maybe spots of erratic i mean it's vile to us that's that's one man's perspective and naming it it's incorrect to say that they have an intention but they're extremely difficult to navigate through and they're very hazardous to anyone who um, happens to be in them uh, although statistically it's not very much greater than anything else but at the same time given that they're usually in very mild climates um, it's completely attributable to the fact that Electromagnetic sensors and uh, avionics, uh, ship navigation software, as well as matter density, uh, fluctuates greatly. And in uh, very chaotic rhythms, this is like the noise rock section of the Earth. If you consider that everything else to be like the drums and rhythm section, this is the noise rock section. This is where things are just, you know, very amplified and hardcore and, and drowning out of others. And, uh, you know, brutalizing to, to man-made technology. The SSP is very involved in these vortices, very involved in these uh, triangles, like the Devil's Triangle, uh, the Bermuda Triangle, the Alaska Triangle, the Nevada Triangle, the Great Lakes Triangle. 
Um, they are very interested in this because they can tap into the fluctuating energies and access them for research into their technologies as well as in channeling them into uh, vast communication equipment uh, immense communication equipment as well as self-defense systems such as uh, you know primitive shielding and um, and I guess you would call it planet to planet warfare like planet uh, generated energy sources that, that, that operate a weapon uh, basically launching a giant uh, plasma discharge from our aurora uh, it's roughly like scalar weaponry it's roughly like the direct energy weaponry that I mentioned in earlier videos except we use the entire planet's electromagnetic uh, output we channel it through these triangles and then these triangles basically serve as the, uh, I guess you would call it the staging area for um, collection. It's it's siphoned off into an orbital uh, array, like a heart array, uh, that, that's meant to, you know, discharge this great amount of energy into the ionosphere. And it's such a great amount of energy that it basically forms a band of destructive uh, energy that could fry out another planet's electromagnetic uh, grid their electrical system so it's an EMP on a planetary scale and that's what I've uh, researched into this SSP phenomenon and the relationship to ley lines uh, the monuments as you can tell have all been developed and built as a globalized uh, system of uh, power requirements and it's very obvious all the pyramids all the uh, ancient societies, the pyramid makers, were either developing the world into or had already figured out how to create a power system that ran off collecting the entire Earth's uh, potential energy. So, a class one society, I believe, is what it's called on the Fermi scale. Uh, I think it's one through five. And this would be a class one society, the one that treats its planet as a fuel source, as a, all of its planet, every every um, amount of mass, every amount of energy, all of it is considered uh, exploitable to power and operate uh, its its power needs. You know, its its needs as a um, as a planetary unit, as a planetary uh, body. Um, the United States has a lot of these ley lines. Uh, so does Britain. It's it's not a coincidence that all the nations that have a lot of ley lines, that all the nations that have a lot of uh, convergences and vortices and um, and um, interconnections in the ley line activity have a significant say and a significant amount of activity. Uh, involved in the SSP, a significant amount of funding and a significant amount of staffing re uh, requirements for the SSP. Every nation that you saw with one of those dots is a main base, a main operator of the SSP, for example. Uh, Australia operates Pine Gap, which is a home for a lot of experimental uh, launches, a lot of experimental uh, traffic, and a lot of uh, uh, communications arrays. I believe the fires there were because of an SSP disaster, either a crash of a of a transport uh, hauling raw material or a, a interdimensional jump gone wrong, where a lot of energy was dissipated and, and caused the great fires of 2019. 
All these countries with dots on them are the great uh, funders, proprietors of the SSP, as well as most uh, historical incidences of great importance to the Earth, such as World War II, such as World War I, I know, and great empires and ancient uh, powers lie heavily on points of uh, tribulation, great points of stress in the uh, the ley line field, the electromagnetic field, such as Japan. Japan famous for being the only city to have two nuclear bombs dropped on its capital or on its cities, and um, I believe that was done because of its location on uh, this ley line, this ley line system, and it was done to either disturb, uh, disturb and, and disrupt their ley line power that they were drawing from the Earth, uh, or to um, slow down some kind of uh, vibrational instability that was happening at the time. Uh, there is a great amount of energy located in the Great Lakes. Uh, there's, uh, there's a great amount of energy located in uh, England, uh, continental Europe, through Italy, and into the Middle East where Jerusalem is. That ley line, I think, is one of those two spots. I think are the most powerful on the uh, in the world. I believe the Great Lakes area, and I believe the the uh, St. Michael's Apollo line, which is, uh, which, I mean the Apollo line, not St. Michael's alignment, the uh, the Apollo line. St. Michael's alignment is important too, uh, but the Apollo line cuts through all these great capitals of Europe, which is basically what you think about as being the most important part of the world in world history. Um, that I believe has been the most heavily contested by the magicians and the magi that rule the world. Uh, but as you can see, the great points of the ancient Egyptians, the Atlanteans, uh, the, you know, uh, Mesoamerican Americans, the um, Aboriginal Australians and the ancient Chinese uh, were the ones that basically um, created the strongest civilizations is because they were fueled with manna. They were fueled with, uh, with I believe, this type of... Um, Electro discharge, electromagnetic discharge, which they are fed by the environment they live on, by this point of uh, material world they live on, this nexus point, and they themselves increase with power, with strength, with stamina, with intelligence, and I believe that this allows them to um, uh, connect with the interdimensional forces of the world and communicate directly with ascended masters, with ascended intelligent beings, as well as be visited physically by a Aliens, by extraterrestrials, by ultra-terrestrials, given technology, given teachings, given um, a support and their development function. And I believe that a lot of that is the, I guess you call it the ancient interaction with man and alien. Um, because they were coming here to fuel, they can, they can uh, more readily access us with the power generated by these ley lines. And we thus developed all our civilization along these ley lines. And thus we were able to achieve sorcery. We were able to achieve uh, great metallurgic uh, feats, feats of engineering, feats of creation of the early SSPs. And we're still able to create uh, the basically miracles of science, the miracles of technology and engineering that we call the SSP. The ability to get off-world, the ability to uh, power uh, massive uh, ships and um, have these ships reach incredible speeds as well as tremendous uh, firepower and uh, be able to support uh, life, which is also an equally uh, fantastic feat as its destructive and military prowess, but these ships are completely 
uh, self-sustaining ecosystems uh, capable of housing many thousands of people successfully very long term like 25 years uh, is not unheard of 30 years is not unheard of for these systems to sustain crews without needing any maintenance or without uh, uh, a, a time and dock to uh, refurbish and recall a lot of the you know fuel cells and environmental uh, filters basically though I believe that um, this is how you come to the knowledge and the importance of the ley lines is that you start seeing that this is a living world this is a world that is not operated on as it's though it's a neutral staging area it's a neutral rock out in space uh floating around the sun this is something that is a living breathing energy uh, grid it's living um already established and uh developed world it's a it's a body basically it's a living uh incorporated creature and that you can only operate an SSP with the successful uh, manipulation of a world. The world has to agree with you. You have to achieve its um, its goals and, and and cause it to desire, you know, and play along in its game. Basically, you have to um, you have to read it because it is the language that will teach you the secrets that you seek. This is the world that we live on. It is not so that the, we make our impression on it. It's just that we let it make its impression on us. And that is, I believe, the biggest pill to swallow is the ley line pill. It is the pill that, um, that without these ley lines, without this system as it was, we would never be able to achieve the SSP. We would never be able to achieve the secret space program with or without help because those around us have their own ley lines they've been manipulating, if not manipulating our very own. Every planet has a system like this. Every planet, an off-world uh, colony, is operated on ley lines uh, of different powers and strengths and calibers, uh, different um, potentialities along the spectrum of what they're capable of and what they produce. A lot of these uh, ley lines actually produce very negative powers. A lot of these ley lines are actually uh, very uh, vampiric for life force, or they're very, um, they have a lot of negative karma. They have a lot of uh, negative energy in the spectrum. A lot of, I guess what you call it, the vile vortices embody that, but these ley lines which operate and connect the vital vertices oh, bring with them that sense of chaos, that sense of destabilization. I guess that's a way of looking at it too, a very Taoist way of, uh, of balance because you need the chaos of these are the great order. For as much the ley lines order the world, for as much as the ley lines bring order to the universe, as much as they are like the, the coding of God, uh, creating and how God created and why God created the physical geography of the world, you know, as it's created is to is to read and simp uh, and exist on these ley lines. Uh, you know, to be to make these ley lines hab habitable for us, to make these ley lines something that's a uh, that's a uh, you know a secret for us to discover. Some of these ley lines produce very ill effects, very negative and chaotic effects. Uh, for as equal order they bring, they cause that much chaos. Um, nothing is really taboo or hidden when it comes to this, when it comes to these actions. 
convictions. Uh, the worst offenses, the worst crimes and atrocities are almost sacrificially and ceremonially carried out by people who, like uh, Lovecraft's, you know, worshippers of the old ones, are the are the cults of disaster. And these uh, eldritch beings, they are kind of driven mad by the electromagnetic fluctuations and frequencies. And many people have reported becoming almost zombified or completely, uh, you know, possessed by forces during solar storms, during uh, electrical storms, after having hit, been hit by struck by lightning or been uh, shocked by industrial accidents. Uh, just a very small amount of additional voltage into your into your mental and nervous system can completely change your behavior and change your uh, you know perspective on existence. Think about now that the magnetic pole is shifting, now that it's you know basically moving, and the Earth's magnetic poles are shifting around, and that we're having these strange magnetic anomalies in the South Atlantic Ocean, and basically nothing is really as it seems because of uh, either the Mandela effect or because the Earth itself is growing, or because this is just a new era, a new epoch in our timeline. The world is going to get very crazy, very, very crazy. It's going to get very chaotic, and many of these negative lines are going to shift, and so populations are going to, you know, be bitch-macked by something that they are not even aware of, and many of the order is going to shift so that a lot of the prosperous places are going to start now uh, coming into conflict and strife. But ultimately, I've always felt that this is a, you know, destiny. These are always meant for good. These are always for our best. Because the creator, the divine creature of intelligence of the universe, <coughs> the divine creation of intelligence of the universe, uh, you know, has a formula and a function. And it's up to us to have uh, the strength to find it, the strength to uh, discover the secret. But this has been Rumors of War, 1987. And that's my take on ley lines and, uh, and as it relates to the SSP. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you very much. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, consider supporting. I deeply appreciate it. Uh, you know, your contributions keep me alive. They keep me uh, my channel surviving. Uh, thank you very much for taking this ride with me. If you're a part of this audience, you know, you're waking up. You're, you're part of the resistance. You're part of the, the new wave of the Great Awakening. I think together we are going to come to a lot of conclusions and a lot of uh, truths that have been uh, kept from us, that have been, you know, hidden from us from the, by the elites. But this is our time to rise up and to become empowered and stand in our own power. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Shalom. Have a happy Sabbath. Remember to always research the SSP. Thank you very much.
Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. Back again for your viewing pleasure. The greatest audience on the face of this and all possible worlds. Please like and subscribe. I deeply appreciate your viewership. I deeply appreciate your comments. So leave one below. Change uh, this video or any kind of query or topic that on the SSP, and I will promptly return um, the favor and get back in touch with you. Uh, I also offer my email for this particular channel in the description box below. It's a business email. It's a Gmail. The rumors of war nineteen eighty seven at gmail.com. So please, I deeply appreciate communicating with each one of you in this community. Um, so let's begin with the true extent of the SSP, the Secret Space uh, Program, the Super Soldier Program, and the Cosmic War, and what is a more accurate description of it. And to see it as it's portrayed now in the majority of top uh, the videos based on this community, is to see it really partially obscured. It's to see it intentionally partially obscured. To try to commit some kind of anonymity to it, to try to kind of uh, commit some kind of uncertainty to the topic. But really, it's a topic that's been discussed and focused on for over a century, as and it's it's been inaccurately reported in the mainstream. So approaching it from the mainstream is going to give you an inaccurate picture. People want to think that it's sole witnesses on long, deserted stretches of highways spotting lights in the sky or in dense forests seeing the occasional stray extraterrestrial or crash sauces in the desert being investigated by trench coat wearing government agents and spooks of the FBI and the CIA and that these are intelligent men, skeptical, rational people who are um, approached with the, the phenomena, the UFO phenomena, as if it's the first time this may be encountered. And if you do encounter, say, a fully functioning uh, UFO or uh, OVNI, it's going to be a single isolated incident with one or two um you know, recurrent consequences, typically memory loss or an abduction experience to be recovered during hypnotic regression. But really, people don't understand the frequency, the scale, and the real implications of their sightings and their experiences um, as they connect to one another, as they're interconnected, as they are interwoven and, in you know, ca casually connected uh, through um, the events that aren't really being seen by the true obscured face of this phenomenon, which is why I use that picture at the beginning, is because the face is obscured. The actual signif significance of the individual uh, phenomenon is obscured, but the form of it is existent. You know what I'm saying? That's enough for most people. That's very tantalizing for most people. But to understand it as an individual phenomenon, one has to expect um, a certain amount of applicable uh uh, discovery to be made people think this advancement in aerospace engineering this these advancements in technology are going to be met with great fanfare great appreciation and great news coverage great media coverage uh sticking with the retro futurism of the atomic age and that when mankind does invent uh or goes public with the 
propulsion systems required to create the UFO, the flying saucer type vehicle. Uh, it'll just be another incorporated asset into the military industrial program to be produced, to be traded, to be sold, to be acquired, and to be used in domestic warfare uh, campaigns and theaters by us and our allied states of power. And they don't really see that it, and I mean, yes, it will change the face of uh, propulsion and aircraft and then the aerospace industry, but they don't really understand the serious world-changing implications for such um, such exist uh, technologies to exist, really they're only giving you the simulated, a uh, very diluted uh, reality of these events. Um, to think about them happening for the last century, being only regularly and, and trustworthily. Uh, captured documented in this for half a century but to be recorded for almost a full century while mankind was um also evolving as an aerospace born species intelligence one has to think about what wasn't recovered what wasn't understood what wasn't photographed or filmed or witnessed by these you know well-meaning spectators and of our citizenry basically Many battles, many attacks, many events have gone unrecorded, have gone only disclosed uh, due to whistleblowers or participants, you know, and the very lucky few that get to do so, uh, you know, come publicly with this information and have it be accepted. Many more are quickly taken care of by the counterintelligence apparatus of the United States. Basically, though... This is only a fraction. What we have is only a fraction of the true extent of our pre preparations and our uh, dealings with extraterrestrial and cosmic uh, born entities, cosmic originating entities. Really, we can only understand like an iceberg effect. Maybe a 10% at the maximum, maybe as little as 1% or even less of our true infrastructure's preparation for... Um, you know, and utilization of these advanced technologies, of these advanced concepts in the aerospace industry, as well as our uh, domestic infrastructure, our support systems, and our defense. What I'm going to be leading on to this is I believe that there are constant attacks on major urban areas, major military installations. Uh, there are there are constant. Um, uh, maneuvers of man and manpower and equipment there are constant fortifications of certain areas and nullifications of threats in other areas and pacifications of hostilities in other areas of the world happening and, and happening you know it's impossible to completely um completely hide these things but it's becoming more and more evident that society is being being uh, conditioned to avoid the confrontation with this fact, to avoid the witnessing of the spectacle, to avoid the the internalization of these facts and these truths, so they could put in perspective their daily existences, their real existences. Basically, um, what I'm going to be leading into is that most of the people who are involved, most of the human beings who are involved, most of the government entities that are involved, are securely housed deep underground in these military installations, deep underground in these scientific installations, which are funded and engineered and uh, created 
specifically to serve uh, conditions of national security, so that already gives them their uh, reason for secrecy, or uh, to be, you know, employed by really advanced scientific research elements of our society, so that gives them another uh, reason for secrecy, but at the same time, it creates the allure and creates the funding, creates the legitimacy to, to fund and operate these things. These are not just um, pipe dreams or fantasies of science fiction writers. These are real, uh, engineered specifically to create habitable shelters, create habitable bunkers. And it's not just for the military or the civilian, you know, elements of national governments in case of nuclear war or, or uh, you know, escalations of earthly hostilities. It's to house and uh, secure technologies, advanced technologies, adv those technologies, a necessary uh, research staff and, and uh, you know, technician staff and so we're dealing with thousands of people involved with, say, for example, uh, hypermagnetic uh, anti-gravitational uh, fields or teleportation technology or time travel technology, quantum leaping technology or, uh, you know, hyper velocity uh, deep space like event horizon type wormhole uh, bending type technologies. So that they... Excuse <coughs> me. They can operate uh, with extraterrestrial intelligences, extraterrestrial staff, off-planet staff. They can operate with, um, you know, otherwise uh, in itself top-secret uh, technologies to help create even more top-secret technologies. And just like the Manhattan Project, it would all be self-contained. There would be uh, very little paper trail, very little ability to see or to understand the true scale of the operations present. Uh, it's always been said that the one way you know, the, the one way you can discover a top secret government base is by looking at personnel and, and individuals operating and living in areas where they would typically never be. Um, for example, if a lot of government staff are going out to a remote ruin or to a specific country or to a specific uh, base overseas or a specific uh, duty station, uh, you know, uh, inside the continental United States, uh, such as Wright-Patterson or Air 51 with the Janet flights, Janet flights, that's the perfect example. These technicians live in Las Vegas, but then are flown and shuttled out to the middle of nowhere. So, you know, there's something going on that requires that extensive of staff of, uh, of technicians well these are com are entirely housed underground these are entirely housed um, subterraneanly and they can they they can be easily paid enough to do this as long as you're dealing with um, you know realistic expi uh, realistic financial uh, uh, reasoning if they're given hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, and allowed to purchase uh, surface level stock and, and real estate, then they might sacrifice their lives to live entirely underground and as a, as a technological exile. Um, you know, that could easily be uh, understandable. You know, that, that could be easily a motivation for it. But ultimately, there's also a defense aspect to it, and that I believe. Due to our involvement with the extraterrestrials, due to our involvement with the cosmic agencies, government, uh, cosmic empires, we have developed weaponry that has 
far exceeded the layman's ability to understand strike force capability, uh, force uh, amplification, um, the uh, distance, uh, range, uh, accuracy, uh, ideas such as uh, uh, normal and conventional defenses versus, uh, you know, uh, strike lethality, um, ac- you know, I always say accuracy. Uh, basically, though, the, what I'm going to try to summarize real quick is that I believe that we've already developed scalar weaponry, that we fight the extraterrestrial threat not with kinetic physical weapons, but with directed energy weapons, with uh, like a variety of directed energy weapons um, and, and high energy type uh uh, burst devices or projector devices, I believe this kind of warfare is so unconventional, is so advanced that it cannot be thought about with conventional ideas of uh, troop movements or range or strike range or, you know, you have to throw all of that out the window and think about things as... Uh, you know, concepts of pioneering new arts of war, pioneering new methodologies, pioneering new tactics and strategies. In laser warfare and direct energy weaponry warfare and, uh, you know, shooting lightning bolts uh, from linked satellites in the sky are superheating the ionosphere to, uh, you know, melt the insides of electronics and armor are to uh, create earthquakes through uh, directional vibrational waves, uh, you know, caused literally through the crust of the earth, through the, the mantle of the earth, you know, to fight with the microwaves and gamma radiation and, you know, black, dark, antimatter type particle or particular weapons. Um, one has to really imagine and think about the true scale, the the outward uh, uh, seriousness, the intensity of these matters, rendering all ideas of frontline and domestic security completely obsolete. You would see the world as a gigantic battlefield where every single asset of material and manpower is vulnerable to strikes as well as uh, society itself never really being able to uh, defend itself against them as well as even, uh, you know, understand the true implications, the true magnitude of the threat. They can much more easily understand things like physical apocalypse generating uh, warfare such as nuclear winters, such as EMP blackouts, and things like that where there are survivors and there are ideas of the limitation of the severity of the destruction, um, you know, etc. Like you say, for example, your Fallout universes where mankind is ultimately still intact while the world around it is basically completely reduced to nothing. But these would reduce man to nothing and leave society relatively intact because it's like the concept of the neutron bombs. The concept of the neutron bombs were that they were clean, 
low yield radioactive bursts of energy which would wipe out uh, personnel and biological material but say for example leave buildings and vehicles and electronics use uh, like, um, a useful still it wouldn't destroy them it would leave them intact so they could be recovered and operated by uh, occupying forces I believe a lot of the information that you need to understand about direct energy weaponry um, is understood by conventional science, is understood by our abilities now uh, to create and to operate. And there's even a whole uh, understanding of major, major events in the world, such as the Challenger explosion, such as 9-11, such as the California campfires. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, being, uh, from Hurricane Dorian to Harvey, uh, being the showcases, being the, the publicized examples of the power of direct energy weaponry. I also believe that a lot of war, uh, footage and events in the Yemen campaign, in the Yemen, uh, Saudi Arabia war, uh, between the Houthi rebels and the House Assad, has used uh, neutron weaponry. The House side has used neutron weaponry. Has used uh, harp weaponry. Has used um, plasma weaponry. Has used uh, most unconventional weapons that money can buy uh, against the Yemen rebels, and it has been filmed as uh, a test. Has been filmed because of their. Uh, you know, these, these are the days of transition. These are the days where the old regime is breaking down and the military-industrial complex is becoming the almighty authority. Then you have the conventional mainstream science focusing on asteroids and meteors entering the Earth, meteoroids entering the Earth. And they are not meteoroids. These are plasma weapons. These are direct energy weapons. These are scalar weapons. These are Tesla howitzers that are firing across our atmosphere simply to show, uh, you know, the warning shots. They're simply to show ability and dominance as well as domestic tests, domestic uh, operations of military equipment, domestic uh, attacks against threats, extraterrestrial and domestic uh, world powers, mercenary companies, or the different factions between the Earth Alliance. <coughs> Excuse me. But these are obviously direct energy weapons. These are not natural meteorites. These are not natural asteroids. These are the first launches, the first tests of uh, weaponry that is going to become as dominant and prevalent as nuclear weaponry in the 20th century and the 21st century. So the next hundred years, these, these kinds of weapons are going to be known as the prime motivators for domestic uh, politics and domestic uh, uh, power plays uh, when it comes to these kinds of issues or weapons of mass destruction and, and border disputes. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter about population density because they can strike deeply into urban population centers to hit uh, secret scientific facilities, secret engineering like labs, uh, munitions, uh, uh, storage areas for high-tech weaponry or extraterrestrial vehicles. They could attack uh, deep underground, hitting um, and destroying 
say, for example, pockets of extraterrestrial life, colonies, or uh, populations that were being kept secret, uh, maybe against treaty, maybe just because of um, a simple outlaw kind of danger that goes on with harboring such species. Um, but basically, we have been seeing these uh, these direct energy weapons, these direct energy uh, howitzers, these Tesla howitzers, attacking attacks in New York City. They've attacked in Dallas, Fort Worth. They've attacked in Michigan. They've attacked in Tianjin, China, in Brazil. They have been seen in Mexico City. They have been seen in Japan. They have been seen literally around the world. Uh, Moscow, uh, many in Russia, many in China, many in Europe, and they have been called and, and written off as earthquake lights. That these are the natural plasma discharges of tectonic plates, which is, you know, the worst cover-up story you could possibly imagine. These are cold flashes. Cold flashes is a technical term describing silent explosions witnessed in the Soviet Union when they were testing their Tesla towers, Tesla howitzers. And another cover story, if they're not this written off as earthquake lights, is that they are generators. Um, they're power, uh, high power electric generators um, uh, blowing up, basically exploding, overcharging themselves, and and burning with uh, with electrical fire. But what electrical fire has have you ever seen that can cover the cover the entire night sky over New York City in a blue an electric blue? Hugh, like this is obviously atmospheric ionization. This is obviously some force that is that is more powerful, yet more yet le less less destructive for collateral damage than has ever been encountered in warfare before. Thus, it's not. I mean, it's not impossible to use it's not unthinkable for certain organizations who are very ruthless and very powerful to use despite the overwhelming um visibility despite the overwhelming uh visibility of these attacks in 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 major urban centers and major urban populations with access to cameras and, and modern technology because they know that if they are accurate enough with intelligence uh and and, and um, sufficient enough in the lethality, they can hit strike, and then there would be no evidence left over, no material evidence such as uh, material shells or missile fragments or fuselages. There would be nothing to attack in defense because it doesn't have to operate from an uh, airborne vehicle. It doesn't have to operate from ground-based armor. It doesn't have to operate from um, you know booted and suited uh, personnel to deploy. It's literally shot across a world away, or maybe even uh, from off-world, uh, and then it's, it follows, you know, ley lines, gravitational, and magnetic um, uh, highways to targets, and uh, it's unstoppable. It, you know, you would have uh, prior knowledge to this and, and still not be able to really stop it. The best you could do is relocate and maneuver around it. But in situations where you're talking about domes, deep underground military bases, you're talking about facilities deep underground, uh, subterranean facilities, 
the the methodology of hiding them in plain sight, hiding them in major urban areas. For example, there's a speculation that the Denver International Airport is above a you know a new subterranean uh, base. The LAX is home to a second space program, a secret space program where astronauts in private space vehicles um, train and and deploy. Um, actually, they built a they did legitimately admit to building most of the stealth bomber and the B-2 bomber in uh, LAX because it would hide the foot traffic. Also, you have bases in New York City, you have bases in uh, Detroit, Michigan, you have bases in Mexico City because the elites know the most suspicious thing for them to do is to travel to the middle of nowhere, is to travel to these obscure, uh, hidden corners of the world and create shadow cities like the Manhattan Project. That might have worked against the Germans and it might have worked as a great propaganda victory, but to develop a super secret city and to make sure everyone is, uh, you know, completely observed at all times by intelligence communities and agents of the FBI, uh, etc., NSA, etc., and to make sure no spying or leaking of information occurs, as well as uh, fulfilling every one of their basic needs and desires uh, during a great time of military technology uh, development. That's not, that's not practical. It's not, a, it's not a viable option in the long term, because then these communities exist and ultimately... Uh, become a bigger threat to themselves. Uh, they're not sustainable. Uh, these massive underground operations, though, are sustainable, given that they don't really have to isolate themselves. They don't have to distance themselves from the heartbeat of the world, from the heartbeat of their communities. They could easily just be uh, reintroduced to populations, uh, say, these big city populations, and enjoy the fruits of their labor, but then also secure themselves deep underground. But this security is completely nullified, it's completely rendered obsolete because of the direct energy weapons that are ha uh, being employed because they are being able to strike uh, deep underground, leave no death or destruction in the traditional collateral sense of the term. Like they're even to strike with a bunker buster or strike with some kind of uh, land assault, you know, mixed troop assault. Uh, into these these bases, you would have massive loss of life because of the sheer, um, you know, the sheer improbability of, of breaching some of these defenses. It's just because they're so well made. There's so much technology put in engineering perfect defenses on conventional levels that striking them in unconventional ways seems the only possible, uh, you know, avenue to destroy them or to to uh, neutralize them and their threats. This, for example, was filmed in, in Dallas. This is a Fort Worth, uh, they call it a transformer explosion, but as you can tell, this is a, actually the truth was, uh, it was a military base, an army base, and they were developing uh, technologies that they had recovered from uh, gray ships, from grays, uh, the, race, the grays race, uh, their ships. They had taken offense to this. This was a extraterrestrial attack on uh, the Earth Alliance, the secret space program, and its research facilities. It was done from off-world at a great uh, distance uh, into our orbit, but the ships that launched them, the ships that deployed this attack, were many, many miles uh, in, in uh, diameter, and, and uh, they were just these gigantic motherships that 
teleported into our atmosphere, teleported into our orbit, uh, quickly attacked, destroyed the technology that was in question that they uh, that deemed uh, off limits to our uh, to our possession and to our uh, collection. They stroke, they, they striked without warning, and they 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 disappeared as quickly. They disappeared. They vanished uh, almost immediately, uh, leaving no time to react, no time to even. Um, to do anything more but to recover and 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 uh, recover the losses, recover the lost personnel, and then to create the spin, the cover story to hide this information. We thought putting it in a urban area such as Dallas, in such a high density area such as Dallas, that that would uh, you know dissuade any kind of interaction between uh, extraterrestrial forces and. And the Earth Alliance, they they thought that would be a deterrent, but it wasn't. It's it's absolutely not a deterrent. You can see strikes like these happening in capital cities. You can see strikes like these happening in military bases uh, located in the middle of the desert, located in the middle of the ocean. You can see strikes like this happening in two submarines on uh, in the deep deep depths of the ocean. You can see these strikes happening on uh, space shuttles or the International Space Station, colonies off-world. You can see these strikes happening, and they'd be hidden and lied about and, and try to be uh, painted as comets or meteoroids, uh, flashing orbs, mystery missile launches. And that's another issue, too, is that the mystery missile launches uh, sometimes are conventional weapons augmented with unconventional technology aimed against extraterrestrial entities entering our orbit without permission uh, sometimes they are simply tests of these technologies other times they are uh, actual uh, sabers pulled in anger against uh, elements of otherwise allied extraterrestrial presences such as the ashtar the greys the reptilians but the thing is Almost all of this is being recorded. Almost all of this is being uh, videoed, is being recorded onto video, is being photographed, is being seen and witnessed and being discussed. This is all part of the Great Awakening. This is all part where they cannot anymore, any longer launch or deploy weaponry of such an advanced technological state without civilians and without the population knowing and being able to research, being able to perform the battlefield forensics necessary to understand these operations at an independent civilian level. They are, we are now able to see this as only the most elite military commanders could. We are now able to take that power back. We are now able to assume that power in this situation where we may not be able to stop what's happening and we may not be able to to uh, participate but we can at least witness with our own eyes and be honest with ourselves that we are in a war that we are in a secret space program that these things are reality this has been rumors of war in 1987 thank you iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend please give us a like and a subscribe i deeply appreciate your viewership god bless you all
Greetings, this is Rumors of War 1987. It's my pleasure to be back again, speaking to you, the greatest audience on the face of the earth. Please like and subscribe. Everyone out there in dreamland, please, I deeply appreciate every subscription and every like I get. Consider donating even a dollar if anyone would just pitch in and help, help contribute uh, to these uh, to this content. I could dedicate more time, energy, technology uh, to create better uh, quality videos. Okay, thank you. That is my uh, that is my introduction. So let's get on with this. The meat of the matter. This video is going to be a subject of increasing popularity in um, this great awakening, the new great awakening that is the NoFap movement, the NoFap movement, and um, how that leads into the greater uh, mass acceptance of sex magic, uh, the higher ascendancies, the importance, the vibrational uh, con conductor of sexual uh, uh, activities such as orgone and sex healing. Um, basically, uh, the issue is NoFap, which is a solipsistic, uh, individualistic, usually masculine-driven uh, uh, idea of monastic uh, chastity and self-denial, which is which is a which is desired because it increases the chi, it increases the life energy, it increases the the individual power, the, the joie de vivre of existence, as well as uh, helps raise and connect um, the societal issues, the social evolution of communities, and and it also uh, helps, you know, breed that sensitivity, that awareness of one's uh, mythologized, uh, mythologized uh, place in society, in the real world. Um, these deeply relate to the SSP, but I believe the NoFap movement is a uh, mistake, is a mistaken concept. Um, yes, self-denial, yes, asceticism, yes, uh, living with virtue and chastity and foregoing um, reckless, uh, you know, energy wastes and distractions, reckless expressions of uh, sexual energy, orgone, um, orgone waste, orgone disposal. Uh, through masturbation, through onanism, versus uh, oh, and the detrimental effects it has on society, producing economies built on male desires. Uh, it's actually a, a masturbation and actually heat that, that self depreciation, that self hedonism uh, is a is a weapon that was used on us by the fallen angels, by those that came down to uh, to mankind's level and uh, playing to control them and pose as imposter beings. They created makeup, they created um, sexualized clothing and jewelry, uh, as well as creating weaponry of war, creating uh, strategies of war and that discipline methodology. These are gifts given to us, curses given to us by fallen angels on Mount Jared. Um, but it's the, specifically the same intention, it's the same purpose makeup and, um, and and seductive dress, uh, seductive hairstyle, perfume, things like that, creates an illusion that helps uh, accentuate the male desire, that helps create and reinforce the 3D matrix of uh, 
carnality of physicality of uh, you know judging oneself based on physical uh, image and appearance and social acceptance on those metrics really the idea of chastity the idea of virtue the idea of innocence the idea of purity uh, is a you know it falls on both genders it's a pan-humanistic thing it's a it's a secret that was known by the alchemists and this is where sex magic comes in this is where the idea of a twin flame and the idea of the ssp especially comes into play because what they're doing is creating a selective breeding program they're creating an artificial uh artificial control and parameter of the human um, mating rituals they can create an evolution of beings and this is a pedigree system this is a domestication issue uh, animal husbandry uh, technique and it's being used by the elites by the rulers of society to craft a a master race to create a uh, elite version of humanity rather than a natural organic expression of uh, our species this was enforced by aliens this is enforced by extraterrestrials this is enforced by extra dimensional beings and it's uh, forced upon us through the cosmic order, through the, the cosmic uh, intelligent design, and um, and particularly the design of the reptilians, and the design of the Orion Draco, and the design of the Astra High Command, uh, as well as our own uh, intention, our own species of intention, to ascend and join these races, join these intelligent species in the galactic community and the cosmic war. Uh, our SSP vehicles, our SSP fleets, our SSP uh, service men and women are all uh, created through um, spiritual and physical breeding programs. They're all used for their real energy and they're all used to fulfill the next uh, generation of, of, of desire, desirable um, individuals of humanity. Basically, the sexual energy of each specific SSP experience or, or my lab abductee is directly in correlation with their desirability to be selected for such programs, to be of use, to be of service in such issues. Uh, in fact, humanity itself as a whole is centered around the constructive energies and metaphysical properties of its sexual coitus, of its sexual combination. 
because it comes together to uh, complete a life force, to complete a true spirit that is representative of the human species. Most other alien species, most other intelligent species, uh, their spiritual astral forms or individuals, ours really is only complete with the unification of both male and female energies, schismed uh, between those two so that an individual human being is not a complete representation of humanity. It requires a soul union, a twin flame union of both male and female chi, both male and female energies to fully create uh, an astral uh, being, an astral human being. So from your very birth, your very uh, creation of your astral loki, your astral lotus, uh, they sync you up with a desirable mate, uh, many, mate many mates over a lifetime uh, sometimes especially one twin flame or one version of an entity that has many different avatars on this earth or maybe one kind of specific uh, trait that they're hoping to merge or hybrid uh, into a future uh, individual for you know, to fulfill destiny to fulfill their uh, purposes, their designs but the human being is uh, considered much more complex and it is much more complex than just a male and a female or a uh, certain attractive loveness level or a certain fitness level or a certain race or a certain creed or a certain, uh, you know, physical distinction. It is the spiritual distinction. This is like on a, a higher dimensional 4D, 5D, up to 11D type realm. Uh, many people understand it commonly as the astrological compatibility or as some kind of twin flame capability, but really it's the ability of creative versus enforcive versus authoritarian versus submissive. Uh, basically the magic of creating a perfect twin flame pair, the magic of creating this soul bonding, this individual, um, you know, perfect union, holy union, is in fundamentally the basis for a large amount of our religious, mythological, uh, cultural, uh, cultural creative identities are psychiatrists, our psychologies, and it's expressed commonly, uh, you know, what we truly desire is always expressed outward, and what we express outward creates what we desire, it's an echoplex, but at the same time, it's an echoplex that's created uh, specifically, to uh, specifically to serve certain moments in time. Unfortunately, our current moment is one of a dark age. It's one of a uh, floundering of uh, potential and, and conceptual awareness. So uh, there's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of doom seeking. There's a lot of fear mongering. There's a lot of fear porn, uh, to put it very bluntly. And that is to excite and to titillate the, uh, the lack of uh, acceptance and and to try to distinguish and break apart, try to create these hyper-individualized, uh, aggressive, um, defensive postures in humanity, thus creating uh, mass confusion, thus creating a you know order out of chaos and chaos out of order. Uh, it's the Aquarian age. It's the pouring of the pitcher where people are... Uh, encouraged to express themselves and to experience deep, intense emotion, but at the same time to not um, look too deeply into the sources or to the effects of these emotional states of being. 
really there's a lot of ulterior motives and if you look at this image right here you would see that even the uh, cultic uh, elite the occult magic uh, sex magic circles understand that there's a parasitism going on there's an ulterior uh, feeding pattern of being being harnessed being created and also being sought after in the perpetration of these uh, extreme sex acts or these extreme sexual intense emotions uh, such as fetishism such as ultimate uh, extremely controversial sexual identities and at the same time it's just the uh, antimony it's it's the it's the weaponized uh, version of, of makeup and cosmetics it's the weaponized version of sex it's the lilith uh, attempt at dominating the masculine um, the masculine individual the masculine original uh, as you would call it through the cultivation of civilization and the, the representation of civilization as sex as as that which is sexual that which is uh, fetishized that which is uh, you know prostitution and uh, uh, pornography uh, the sexual uh, industrial complex from everything from uh, sex toys to lingerie but it's all being used to harness uh, certain um, individuals to prepare certain individuals to serve in certain functions for rituals for mass rituals um, there's a correlation for example between blackouts or brownouts electrical uh, disasters and, and population spikes and, and baby booms and that is, that's intentional that's completely just a mating ritual that's a mass sex magic ritual uh, certain movies certain um, religions certain ideas of uh, the cults and utopias deeply involve examination of sexual uh, priority and a harnessing of sexual energy and it's been like that since the beginning of the human race it's been like that since uh, recorded human history uh, basically there has been more energy focused on the subject more scholarly criticism focused on the subject but at the same time and it's almost undeniable to these to the to layman image the acquaintance of it uh, simple upon a visibility of it, simply upon experiencing the ancient uh, mystery schools, uh, the ancient religions, the ancient um, uh, fertility rites, one can see that there's a higher power at work, there's a higher agenda at, at op operating here, there's a higher agenda operating here, a higher intelligence operating here from the evolution of what we know as sexuality itself, or we know as... as uh, mating or pair bonding uh, and what we know as the occult what we know as the higher densities uh, the higher density functionality of this uh, it's not a mystery it's been understood uh, by every culture no matter what their technological level or what their uh, outside you know new conservatism really it all is ancient history of religion it's all uh perpetrated by the crown monarchies the ruling aristocracy and it's transnational it's international it, it, every major modern nation has its ambassador and its uh, sexual ruling class it's its idea of um manifesting in creation of orgone to fulfill its social order to fulfill its uh its new world order uh mission so how this relates to the ssp uh, 
it goes very deep. It goes extremely deeply into the SSP. Every every individual in the SSP is a human being, for example, and every human being is subject to these forces. Uh, look at the example of Jack Parsons. Uh, much much disinfo in the idea of Jack Parsons, but at the same time, the true core tenet is is true: is that he was an occultist, he was a sex magician, and he helped create the American space program. Uh, he helped, you know fundamentally create the space program due to inspiration and energies he was able to harness while practicing sex magic specifically with the oto and the oto is a type of sun worshiping uh solar phallus worshiping uh ancient egyptian inspired cult uh, or sex magic cult and that is directly educated that is directly in line with the ashtar high commands uh teachings uh you know on the astral level if you go to a pleiadian if you go to an astral high command representative on the astral level you channel them you'll usually channel teachings expressed by the oto because it's you know the initiation and communicating with the with the high astral plane is the communicating of the bodies it's the communicating between man and woman male and female uh it's the, it's the coitus it's the sexual practice sexual activity of the ritual itself uh it's not just the penetration or the actual engagement of a physical uh, mate, but it's the introduction inside the erotic, uh, inside the the sexual uh, ritual, inside the sexual circle, the orgy, the the orgy mansion. You know, the idea of joining this cult, this sacred brotherhood, this initiation ritual. That's all part of the sexual act. That's from the very beginning of seduction to the very end. Uh, of your life, you know, with the manifestations of uh, desirable realities, uh, whenever, you know, your heart desires, it can produce and manifest, there's a law of attraction that's happening uh, in a large part in this, and so one has to be very careful with their desires, because the law of attraction is very true, and many people are enraptured by that which is most harmful to them, that which is most exciting to them, and they chase the dragon, they ride that nightmare until um, what they are manifesting, what they are drawing to them, what they are gathering, what they are attracting, may be, uh, you know, construed as prosperity, it may be construed as success, but really it's a... It's a trapping of that individual inside uh, Aphrodite's bed, inside this uh, this idea where even though the higher self may want to ascend and may want to uh, elevate beyond the needs of the carnal body, that the carnal body is so rooted and so infested and so uh, confined to this this relationship, the sadomasochistic relationship of sexual release and desire, uh, of orgasm and denial, that uh, that which that which is worse for them, which is most harmful, is found most attractive, is found most lustful, is found, found most uh, uh, sexually fetishistic. And so <clears throat> you really have the idea that these sex magicians, um, you know, understand this, they, they have a mastery of this. They cultivate their image, they cultivate their position in society, they cultivate their appearance, and they cultivate their abilities to best suit their desires to be sexual masters to uh, their coven, to their flock. Um, 
they violate the twin flame, this this antagonistic, uh, dark-sided aspect of sex magic. It compromises the twin flame ideal, the ideal of producing utopia, producing an ascension, and a full human life force. Because one individual will usually take many different lovers and draw from them as a vampire, uh, much like the life force vampires uh, spoken about. And in previous videos, um, another anime series, but these are humans uh, doing this uh, for the sake of their own ascension, for their own astral t uh, traveling abilities, for their own uh, dark ends and gains for power on Earth. And people give it to them freely. People idolize these these witches, these covens, these uh, these uh, sex magic uh, witches. But basically. The true and noble form of sexuality of coitus is found and expressed through ancient teachings as well, specifically that of the Kama Sutra. And uh, with things going as they are now, with the popular zeitgeist becoming more distant and isolated, we really need to remember the true benefits of love and connection and and sex and uh, physicality, because it was understood that the more important aspects of life and living were the connecting with others as twin flames, as, uh, you know, full yin-yang chi uh, energies in the physical act of love. And regardless of the hedonism expressed in uh, the communities or with the issues of modesty or, or uh, morality, ultimately the benefit was much more real, much more experienced, and much more better understood back in these ancient days of ancient communities, ancient civilizations, than it is now with the common future being in marriage and, and relationships and, and uh, love being centered on material things such as wealth, such as uh, credit, such as physical looks, uh, ethnic backgrounds, religion, what have you, locality, location. Basically, the idea was is that um, the supreme gesture of society, the supreme gesture of a civilization, was how well it made love with, you know, how made how well it accepted love, how well it produced the love, you know, like how well it, it generated this love for its citizenry and for its uh, community. Basically, what it did was it understood the orgon was not something to be stolen or something to be exploited, but it was something to generate more, to generate more life, to generate prosperity, to generate fertility. This is why the OM exists, is because the creation of a universe is the sound of pleasure, it's the sound of tactile response, it's the sound of orgasm, but it's an orgasm that's shared, it's a syncretic dance, it's a, it's a, it's a rhythm, it's a, uh, you know, mastery of what it means to be human, a full human is both male and female, chi connected not inside oneself like an hermaphroditic alchemic uh, principle that the sex magicians uh, no fap uh, asceticists the, the monks of this world wants you to believe but rather a communal response a shared and living thriving organic um, connection uh, coitus that would create humanity free from the exploitation and for the domination of other things, mankind can uh, fully become a fertile, enlightened, ascended, higher vibrational being. 
independently and by accepting its destiny, but by accepting the love we have for our twin flame, our soulmate, and to be wary of the celestial and to be wary of the cosmic, to be wary of the uh, angelic, because these universal influences, these cosmic influences are enforcers of the 3D matrix of the physical world, the physical universe, and they're trying to create physical order, which is oftentimes only understood as death and violence, and it's the nature of the beast, it's the nature of the scorpion, to it's the nature of the knight to offer uh, the solace and the peace, but to really provide insecurity and fear and blindness you know, to offer desire, to offer uh, beauty, but to make it uh, elusive or to make it um, to make it uh, the ruling aspect of one's being, the ruling pursuit, you know, the holy grail for existence. But really, one should one should contribute as much. Uh, orgone as one receives and one should receive as much as one contributes because ultimately you're going to see a mass medicalization of sexuality you're going to see a, a medicalization of it it's already becoming something that is mass produced is is understood almost artificially intelligently and this too is the trap you know but it's like something that mankind can't deny it's the energies that need to be accurately aimed and accurately uh, uh, accurately expressed into real forms of beauty into real forms of desirability because there's only one way this life ever ends there's only one road where there's only one place this road ever goes and that's death and I don't want to die alone so this has been rumors of war in 1987 iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend Thank you for watching. Please like and subscribe. Thank you for getting this far. I appreciate your viewership. God bless you. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. This has been Rumors of War 1987.
out there in dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. What a strange, strange world we live in. It's getting stranger by the second. And we're so strange we can't even be sure it's the original world we were born into. Some alternate reality. Some ripple in the matrix. I believe the pursuit of truth and liberty is the pursuit of the prime existence. I believe we are all born into a prime existence, an original existence, and then lose ourselves in the herd, lose ourselves in the ripple, lose ourselves in the ever-multiplying fractional realities that we create through our perceptions and through our pressures weaved upon us like some curse of human nature by some dark sorcerers who with more cunning and more confidence have driven us all into a state of frenzy and panic. We don't see the true powers of the universe, the true directors of the cosmos, as the, as the loving, benevolent caretakers as they are, but we fear them for their unconquerable, immutable oneness. The seven are one, the one are seven. So let us break free. Let us be like the fox. Let us be like the wolf. We'll use each other to grow strong and lift our voices together and howl at the moon, howl at the stars, and howl at the night sky and prove to the universe that we exist. My brothers and sisters, those who are waking up, thank you for taking this ride with me. Please like and subscribe. We definitely appreciate your support. And if you appreciate my contributions, and I applaud you and I thank you from the bottom of my heart most sincerely. Today's video is going to be talking about Stargates, the concept of Stargates as they apply to the secret space program, to the super soldier program, to the, the psychic soldier and astro realm uh, warfare programs and, um, and different types of them, the different mod different modalities of accessing a Stargate. And it's a term that's used to apply to three distinct um, things, three distinct concepts, but they all originate and basically serve the same purpose. Uh, I believe it's common knowledge by now. It's definitely not a new element of disclosure and it's definitely something that's very well acquainted by anyone who's a uh, student of history or a student of the this fringe of enlightenment understanding of the universe basically a stargate is a portal to another world it's to another realm and to another plane of existence to another dimension it's a um, device or a construct like it's, it's an artificial construct and that's a big part of it and its definition defeats this idea of natural portals or uh, vortexes such as like the Bermuda Triangle or the wild vortices on ley lines 
but it's a constructed artificial uh, device, uh, work of engineering intellect. It's intelligently designed, um, and its purpose is to allow the user to uh, broadcast themselves across great uh, distances relatively instantly um, without suffering any ill physical effects and be reliable to safely allow this travel uh, repeatedly, uh, basically forever, as long as it's properly powered. So that the return is guaranteed, there is no risk in uh, venturing forth, despite the dangers uh, possibly located in that realm, or the dangers of the particular individuals operating its assignment or objective or, or circumstance. But it's, but it's reliable, it's not a natural phenomenon, it's not a risky phenomenon, it separates it from the definition of wormholes or warp travel used on ships, uh, and it typically isn't something that is used by uh, planet-wide or species-wide numbers, it's mostly something that can only be used by one or, or a small select group of individuals uh, in such this capacity to do so. Basically, the original idea of a Stargate was how the reptilians and ancients, ancient aliens, these, these cultures that were not human but ruled humanity and used humanity to specifically fulfill its its labor purposes and its defense purposes and its uh, and its uh, you know hunger satisfy its hungers. Uh, they had created this, these devices to travel amongst their colonies, travel amongst their different colonies in the astro in the heavenly bodies and the solar system, such as Mars, such as the asteroid belt, such as um, extents uh, colonies in Jupiter. Um, and and elsewhere on Earth, a huge uh, number of stargates exist on Earth, uh, well into the hundreds. They are located, uh, you know, originally they were discovered in Egypt, but they were located uh, as far as Greece, uh, Turkey, uh, all over the Middle East, uh, Iraq, uh, especially. Uh, housing entire complexes full of stargates uh, linked to a central generator um, in the ziggurat of, uh, and the ancient Persians. They're found in China and they're usually located around pyramids associated with, by the pyramids uh, being power sources, being ancient generators, allowing their function uh, to greater distances. You need more power. They were discovered by the United States uh, military as well as the German, um, the German uh, Ann Arbor uh, during their archaeological uh, digs. Uh, they were discovered by the French and British uh, exploration efforts. They were located in Central and South America. They've been located literally almost every continent and uh, generally in every region. Uh, no, they follow a pentagon-type uh, grid pattern, and um, it's it's not something that you would be surprised at 
they are actually being operated in a larger scale than just one secret location. For example, like in the Stargate SG-1 series in Cheyenne Mountain, they are actually located in bunkers and underground facilities on oil rigs, uh, oil like oil rig type stations, on naval bases underwater and deep well underground locations. They're located uh, on the Atlantis uh, rising UN city ship that the Ashtar had located there originally, I believe, of uh, reptilian design, uh, reptilian engineering, but have been uh, effectively used and uh, retro-engineered by the, you know, human uh, scientific elements in the secret space program military-industrial complex. It's, it's engineering that, has, that we've grasped, that we've basically been able to create and replicate and maintain, but we don't really need to replicate them because the stockpile that we have of, you know, relic stargates far exceeds our use. You know, it, there are actually almost more stargates than there are people who have clearance to, to even use the stargate. Oh. Um, they are operated by the Central Intelligence Agency, that's who oversees the vetting, the authorization, and uh, you know, vetting process uh, for personnel and staff to use them. They oversee the technologies and uh, research uh, departments as well, and they provide the budget for transport and uh, you know, contractor services such as that. They. They are kind of hunted down by uh, surveillance satellites all across the world. For example, there's a race in Antarctica to see how many can be recovered, with uh, most major nations uh, supporting uh, elements in this in this effort, like China, Russia, um, even European nations such as Britain. Um, they, <clears throat> you know, that that is that's very banal in my opinion. It's very well understood. You go. You actually use them to physically travel great distances off-world or on this world, uh, not star to star for what we've been able to do. The uh, second element of Stargate, the second definition of a Stargate, is much more interesting to me. I believe it's the spiritual uh, Stargate. This is a this is a kind of a Enochian circle, um, you know, Solomon circle type language, which has been communicated to us through paladin uh, elements of the Ashtar High Command, the Ashtar High Command leadership, and the Ashtar High Command spiritual uh, priest class. They are um, communicating through uh, crop circles. They are communicating through um, telepathic uh, messages sent into dreaming individuals, spiritually uh, acute and aware individuals. They are being represented um, historically such in shamanic experiences or psychedelic experiences. They are known as um, symbols of great importance and are being gathered by chosen uh, spiritually aware individuals that seem compelled uh, much like the lead character in Close Encounters of the Third Kind once experienced these mimetic devices, these mimetic uh, symbols, these mimetic spiritual symbols become uh, 
you know, urges that become great impulses to transcribe, and they become almost automatic, uh, automatically spawning uh, mimetic language, you know, like this is the spiritual language. But this is the Stargate, which if they created these these portal scrolls, these ruins, they've created them and used them like a gate. They are used like a gate. They are basically a doorway which is allowing uh, interaction between two realities while not allowing the travel between the two realities but allowing um, a spiritual astral being to walk between the two walk into the two and interact with others you know who received them who for whatever purpose which is of extreme importance to beings of the ethereal plane, beings of higher dimensions, beings of lower dimensions seeking to communicate with higher dimensions. Uh, so, beings such as you know um, higher higher vibrational reptilians, higher vibrational uh, Palladians, Ashtar High Commands, uh, uh, you know the Lyrans uh, and their subspecies and. You know, even the Saturnine. Uh, this is how humanity uh, communicates with them. This is how they communicate with humanity. This is how they are influencing our world. This is how they are directing and guiding and then exerting their authority is by promising and then delivering on the promise to, uh, like fulfilling the promise to uh educate us on the language to make us literate in the the spiritual astral language which can connect uh, the realms which can connect the higher densities to the lower densities which can uh, basically ascend mankind into a state of psychic awakening into a state of great awakening into a state of better um, ability to harness its you know world energy and um fulfill its desires as a technological species and it's all going to start from this communication through these stargates these communications and creations of stargates which are memetic devices which are uh, access points between different realities and different vibrational uh, constants um, this is very uh, serious this is very <laughs> I see it now the, this is a very uh when they do this, this is not something that's just idle suggestion. This is actual, you know, for those who know, for those who see it, these are actual uh, direct communications from the Ashtar High Command to the Earth, to to ruling powers, ruling parties. And they do it uh, in a way that um, isn't even uh, possible to hide. It, Say, for example, when they communicate with the Earth during uh, great moments of, say, for example, magnetic energy or solar energy fluctuations, every spiritually attuned person from jungle shamans and uncanny, uncontacted tribes to, uh, you know, monks in the Vatican to uh, hippies in California or Arizona, uh, everyone sees it or feels it or understands it. Like, everyone is... It is transmitted it at the same time, so they're communicating with us as a species-wide um, attempt at at uh, creating this uh, this uh, communication, this relationship to uh, to building the merging of the lower densities and the higher densities, 
of the solar system to create a full-spectrum uh, solar power, solar system-wide power. Uh, that's the ultimate goal of the Astra High Command, is to use these stargates to not only completely manifest themselves in our you know, 3D matrix reality, but also to allow us to exist in theirs, higher dimensional reality, higher dimensional 4D, 5D, up to 11D reality. Uh, you know, that's why when they are at that higher dimension, they appear to be beings of light. They appear to be beings of, um, you know, astral energy or ethereal energy is because they are at a higher density uh, visiting this lower density. They are at a higher density uh, basically temporarily gaining access to our reality through stargates and through the control of stargates. Uh, that's why their species, I think, is the true master of the stargate, the true guardian of the galaxy, uh, the guardians of the galaxy, uh, is because they are they have the authority and responsibility over the sun which is the third uh, type of stargate that I was going to speak about is the actual sun itself the truth about the sun is that it's not simply a star of uh, burning fusion in a sphere that has enough gravitational power to completely capture and synchronize all the orbiting heavenly bodies around it in perfectly fixed uh, ellipses but to but it's actually a portal it's a large uh, large self-powering portal into a dimension of complete energy and uh, a dimension where all physical matter is converted to pure energy and it's a it's a type of a portal to the ultimate highest uh, realm and density and not even the ashtar high command uh, is able to approach that kind of density, that kind of uh, ascension, that kind of elevation uh, within their own lifetimes, within their own existences. Uh, these, that's really the realm of the immortal. And uh, they are able to communicate with the Astro High Command the same way the Astro High Command is able to communicate with us, is how they transcribe these messages into our crops and into our, uh, you know, collective conscious, uh, the Astra High Command is ruled and directed by this other higher, uh, more uh, powerful immortal energy race. And, uh, you know, as above, so below. They basically are fed the, the information that they require, that they need, and kept in that kind of state of relationship with these higher powers uh, through their through the sun, through their ability to kill, uh, understand and, and transcribe and translate solar energy. Um, much like the alien entity from the movie Capex, these entities are pure light. They're photonic uh, beings. They are completely created out of solar energy. Uh, this, this type of super high radiation. Uh, like movie Starman, too, with Jeff Bridges. Uh, Starman, you know, he was this being of complete energy, or Cocoon. They were like beings of pure energy. A lot of those line movies were showing you these creatures are, in the higher density realms appear as these pure light beings, but these creatures really are pure light beings. They really are uh, photonic in nature. They can exist at light speeds. They have no um, susceptibility to the physical world at all. 
um, and that they operate from the sun. They operate through the sun, and through then um, through the sun, they can travel uh, from their location in a in a dimension and a in a location in our solar in our galaxy that is more distant than uh, maybe even extra extra galactic maybe even from another galaxy entirely maybe from a realm of the universe that is itself the a center forge for the for the galaxies and, and um, you know nebulas and higher um, higher the level like type of uh, heavenly bodies and creations um, a lot of it is uh Understandable because only through the communication of the Astra High Command and understanding how what motivates them and seeing how they are operated through the Stargate and how they revere Stargates and use Stargates, um, you know, to travel and access spiritual dimensions, spiritual uh, uh, states of ascendancy. They are uh, the really the only way to to understand this higher density that they serve, and, and basically. That's your stacking tier of Stargates. And I hope uh, that was understandable. Was that there's a stacking steer, uh, tier of Stargates and that it's uh, physical Stargates which allow transport between physical bodies, vehicles, uh, materials uh, from one location to another regardless of distance instantaneously and very securely and very safely. Uh, then there's the... Spiritual, uh, the the type of uh, astral realm stargate that can uh, connect to vibrational densities or two dimensions, to alternate realities, and allow communication and uh, and travel between the two. You know, on, on an astral level. Then there is this third type of stargate, which is used to basically allow the star consciousness, the universal consciousness, the, the, the actual God consciousness to communicate with uh, the creatures of this real, of this world, of this physical uh, world, this real world, you know, this, uh, this matrix, this, this higher density, density matrix, uh, this vibrational matrix. And it's, it's very much as above, so below that uh, the way that these beings, these, these high super density, these ultimate density uh, beings are communicating with their chosen on this realm of existence and its many spectrums of being that it filters down and it reduces down to the atomic level of every understanding of a 3D existence uh, to the very fabric of what we know as uh, society and nature and as uh, the world we live in. It's very much the truth and the illusion at the same time. It is both the, you know, promise and the answer, the question and the answer at the same time. It is the, I guess you call it the duality, the double-headed eagle of the occult, uh, the understanding that the, the, you know, the black and the white, the checkerboard, the as above, so below. And that is basically to communicate the truth of Stargates, the material logic behind Stargates. Um, 
I do highly recommend that if you're interested in astral communication or, or understanding uh, how channeling works to approach the subject of Stargate's uh, subject of, of uh, how the military studied uh, the Stargate project and how to remote view and how to astral project and how to create and, and that's basically how they created the super soldier program was specifically to fulfill uh, their requirements their staffing needs to provide and to develop a super soldier that would be able to travel to a Stargate and to use the spiritual Stargate you know, in ambassadorial and delegate roles in, in espionage and reconnaissance and any kind of special operation they would require. A lot of it's now done with AI. A lot of it's going to be automated. And, you know, this is going to be the future. They're going to make this the future. This is going to be, you know, common knowledge by in the 21st century. Uh, this has been Rumors of War 1987. Thank you for your viewership. I deeply appreciate uh, your 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 viewership of this video on Stargates. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Please give this a like and subscribe. Thank you very much. God bless. Incoming. 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 Prepare yourself for... Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War, 1987. Hoping that this finds you well and in high spirits. Shalom, peace be to you. Blessed be the peacemakers. If you're watching this, you're already taking the steps necessary to achieve enlightenment and, and attain nirvana and escape this wheel of life and constant death. This spokes of the endless wheels of torment that are, is the physical 3D matrix. But together we can attain um, ascendancy, we can rise above, we can rise above together. For where we go one, we go all. So let's get to it. Let's speak about nuclear weapons and their relationship to the secret space program, the super soldier program, and uh, UFOlogy, how it relates to the greater cosmic order, uh, the greater cosmic war, the galactic empires, etc. Why is humanity developing nuclear weaponry important to these major interstellar powers that colonize dozens of worlds and moons and, and control billions, if not trillions, of citizens in ideological empires uh, along spatial lines? Um, why exactly does it matter so much that creatures from such a small pond, such a small island Earth, uh, are attracting the attention of uh, these massive uh, Corsair-type kingdoms, these alliances of many dozens of intelligent races, these um, empires that have been at war for millennia longer than mankind's even existed. Why does it matter? Why have we, uh, in our earliest days of flight towards the cosmos, towards the heavens, have attracted such uh, predatory and hostile gaze, such cold and distant alien contempt and attention that we have to be constantly harassed and, um, and provoked as we develop our nuclear weaponry, as we develop this nuclear energy program, this fledgling SSP uh, venture. 
Well, the likelihood of stories that in, that involve UFOs either being disar- uh, either disarming or um, being attracted to nuclear weaponry, no doubt comes from citizens of the hollow earth. More likely than anything from outside our atmosphere, from outside our orbital um, gravity, <clears throat> that that empires like the Ashtar High Command, like the Orion Draco, um, like, you know, the Elohim or the Greys, they really are not very interested in our nuclear weaponry. The citizens of the hollow earth are contemporary intelligent races such as the Sasquatch, such as the Mayan, Mesoamerican spacefaring civilization, the breakaway civilization, such as uh, the United Earth Alliance and its governments and its dealings, the reptilians, which have entrenched themselves into the military-industrial complex, have entrenched themselves into the political uh, entertainment elite, and, um, you know, the Illuminati of the Earth. Uh, they have much more to reckon with and to deal with and to be concerned with when it comes to the development of nuclear weaponry, uh, as do are the vampiric parasites that we have encountered and that have no doubt taking root um, and, sorry, infecting Earth on uh, a larger scale than has previously been estimated or documented. Uh, life force vampires would... would be deeply concerned about nuclear warfare on planet Earth or in the cosmos as it directly involves and destroys their food supply. The parasite insect aliens who are using human genetic uh, stock for mysterious purposes, they would care a lot what this lonely island does because this lonely island is their, uh, you know, treasure island. It's their paradise island. It's their little honey hole where they can perform medical experiments and get gene stock for their uh, agriculturally ranched human beings, their the human slave colonies. Uh, well, we also come from a, a somewhat hostile island, and so naturally, with the addition of these super predators, these megafauna, and these um, these you know, insurmountable, unconquerable to scale threats to human existence. Uh, this was meant to diminish our progress, was meant to retard our society, to uh, keep us primitive, because any development, any kind of structure that we would develop that, that was stationary would be, you know, at, at in danger of being attacked by these kaiju, which I go into length before. But I believe that our connection with the Ashtar High Command, with the appearance of the celestial empires, with the cosmic powers, has emboldened us to travel even further, has, has emboldened us to um, embrace the most advanced technologies, the most extreme of engineering capabilities, the most uh, um, testing of, of the human achievements of construction and, and uh, architecture and engineering you know, applied sciences across the board because we have fallen so deeply enamored with uh, positive examples such as the Ashtar High Command, such as, uh, you know, uh, the Mesoamerican uh, space-bearing civilization and their hollow Earth empire, such as the Orion Draco. And uh, we seek to create, out of the chaos of our existence... Um, a very sterile and very welcoming place, a very uh, zen and relaxing environment, a paradise for ourselves, you know, to create a utopia. But because the universe is very hostile, because the universe is very dangerous, 
and um, is aligned with laws and rules for survival that we would consider very um, frightening, very horrifying, uh, very destructive and violent, that the tools that we are using to make this paradise are the tools that we use to make war against these threats to paradise that we create to nullify the threat to neutralize these entities to kill them and the only thing they're vulnerable with is um, weapons of the highest degree of engineering the most advanced uh, weaponry ever developed by our species nuclear weaponry uh, sophisticated chemical weaponry weaponry biological weaponry uh Railgun, high-velocity kinetic weaponry, lasers, uh, warfare optics, uh, electronic direct energy weaponry, dues. Um, but as we develop these things, the societies which we heralded as gods, which exerted a large amount of influence and exploited us for our labor and for our uh, resources, are becoming more vulnerable, and we are destroying them more frequently when engaged with them and so they're losing their mystique they're losing their godhood they're losing their um the the suspension of disbelief that their technology is akin to magic is akin to some um invisible intangible cerebral power and we are now stuck in the the awful position we're now stuck in the the tragic position where we are surpassing our gods with our technology and our gods are we resorting to more brutality or resorting to move to more extreme measures to keep us uh, in control but as you know the fire keeps burning um throughout history the the place we call home now is now the threat is now a target is now uh, not a threat is threatened is now a target is now the battlefield and when you're fighting for a home, when you're fighting for a mansion, when you're fighting for a castle, and you're burning down the castle to destroy your enemies, which are trying to steal your castle, which are trying to keep your castle from you, even if you win, you'll be reduced to nothing. You'll be reduced to a ruined and raised kingdom, which I believe the Mesoamerican and Aztec civilizations uh, previously uh, encountered and endeavored in with their surface colonies when they rebelled against the Orion Draco as the Orion Draco fostered them to a state of superior technological achievement and engineering prowess and enlightenment uh, on the spiritual plane they were able to uh, surpass their you know master's expectations they were able to wage this war on an astral level as well as a physical level and that was so unexpected that it forced the Orion Draco to resort to um you know, cruel acts of mass destruction, of mass murder, and that caused the Mesoamerican civilization to engage in total warfare with them and to treat them like, uh, you know, executing them on sight and uh, following them into the hollow earth, but, but turning the surface world into a ruin, basically abandoning the surface world to um, the recreation of order uh, in its spiritual time. Now, a lot of the alien presence that we have today, a lot of the alliance we have today with extraterrestrial powers is a benevolent one, is one built on order and uh, one built on a charitable supervision for a young and maturing race, as they, as they like to call it. Um, but even with their guidance, even with their achievements, we have not reached the levels of enlightenment. We have not le achieved the levels of independent... Uh, personal development 
and ability that the Mesoamerican Aztec Empire did. And so <clears throat> the, here you see the great seesawing, the great fight for balance, the great fight for uh, overpowering one or the other. And you start seeing that the powers that are dealing with us, the powers that are trying to ally with us, the powers that are trying to uh, negotiate with, with us for control of us are one and the same, even though they may have very different uh, personalities and personas and agendas and physical appearances and needs and uh, requisites for uh, allegiance, but there's three heads of the same dragon. It's three heads of the same destructive force of complete control of, of absolute power. And um, the idea now is that it's a long game. It's a long sub game of subversion, which they will try to use you know, agenda-specific educations and agenda-specific situations and circumstances to create artificial worlds and environments for human beings to develop in, uh, directing the stimuli, directing information, directing data as they see fit to create the world that they, that they deem to want, you know, satisfiable to control, uh, whether it be the Orion Draco, the Astro High Command, the Greys, or whatever. Uh, they are creating human beings specifically to fit the purpose that they see fit. They're, it's like biological engineering, but on a psychic level. It's astral engineering. It's spiritual engineering. It's uh, creating uh, human cattle of the soul um, and, and mental realms so that the human being begins to lose and develop the ability to critically think, to see beyond um, the, you know, illusion, to see beyond uh, delusion, to see beyond uh, one's personal... Uh, uh, narcissism and agendaism um, to, you know, resort to the hostility and, and uh, offense when challenged to, uh, to reason and ration uh, the world around them. Uh, basically, any kind of freedom of thought, any kind of independence of thought, a power of thought, more importantly, the power of thought is uh, dissuaded and is... Uh, is uh, castrated by these agendas, by these extraterrestrial agendas, because that will give the human race a greater access to this weaponry, a greater access to this engineering techniques, these these skills, intelligence, a greater embracing of these. If you know one isn't able to develop a nuclear or a hydrogen bomb, one would be able to support that function, to support that task, you know, to the best of their ability, creating what you would call like a true socialist utopia, which is. The, those with access and the abilities will train to the greatest of their uh, prowess, the greatest of their uh, potential to help out those which, uh, you know, don't even necessarily know or understand but can benefit uh, and truly benefit from them, not exploit them or to uh, rape them or rape their, uh, you know, resources or... Uh, be worshipped by them as gods to impose this false idol worship, but to really, really expand the, and encourage the human race to grow and to become more powerful as a whole, as to create a better uh, earth, as to create a better world, a more independent earth, you know, an earth for earthlings. Um, so, it's a, you know, it's a big place, and the idea of America, for example, was to, to bring the American dream to people. Now, if it could do so on the dream line, if it could do this on the dream level, if it could, you know, export the memes of the American dream, if it could uh, create this meme warfare, if it could create the spiritual warfare and win the hearts and minds 
uh, we would have a utopic uh, one-world government already. Now, unfortunately, that is uh, fringe science. It is a fringe technique, uh, you know, relegated to the most uh, far of the margins in our real life. But the reality is that we are embracing it because it is embraced by superiors, by uh, races and powers to be that have already done this, that have already demonstrated this ability. So one has the reason how far back does their infiltration of the American nuclear program or, or the world's nuclear program or the human race's uh, potential to develop nuclear weapons really go? Uh, maybe they really, you know, are uh, keeping us from achieving our potential, our weapons development potential in far more damaging ways and far more... Uh, destructive ways than just simply disarming a nuclear weapon uh, when they see fit or, you know, uh, causing the failure of a launch. Maybe they're creating um, cults and religions in our past that, that, you know, specifically sabotage and interact with us negatively. Maybe they're causing us to venture forth on this path so that we know that we can be uh, put in treacherous um, positions with our with our technology. Maybe they are allowing us to think that we are choosing our free will as they lead us further astray, as they lead us further um, down into mystery Babylon, into this um, apocalyptic science. Um, maybe they are going to lead us into encountering dangers and threats. And this uh, very large and wide ecosystem that we are venturing into, uh, being a spacefaring power, being a post-nuclear power, being a, being a race that is intelligent enough to split the veil, is to travel interdimensionally, both physically and, and uh, in an astral sense and a spiritual sense. Uh, maybe they are going to uh, use this to set up an encounter which will prove that our nuclear weapons are useless and make us uh, retreat back into a, a state of um, self-imposed isolation and reflection. You know, maybe they are trying to get us to really consider on a philosophical level the, I guess you call it, the futility of developing weaponry, of developing conflict abilities, of developing stratagems, and uh, developing the fitness of a culture to wage uh, war. Because their empire doesn't have that, that need for rebellion, doesn't have that need for freedom of thought. They want us to fit into a lockstep mentality of being a vessel, being a, uh, uh, a slave-producing quota-fulfilling, um, you know, subjugated colony, a subject, a subjugated element of an empire. And that empire doesn't have any need or necessity for our weaponry, doesn't see that it's, you know, potential, it doesn't want really any competition. Um, maybe even though we have these alien agendas working against us, maybe there's a greater law of the universe working there. Maybe it's a, a uh, you know, a, one of the greater immutable laws of, of life and death itself that as we attain life, as we reach out to get a, a firmer grasp on existence that there are harder and deadlier blows aimed at us, you know, to um, cut our mortal cord, uh, to, 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 you know, cut us away from the, the life force, the life well. 
as we venture forth into the astral realm, into the solar system, we venture forth together, uh, you know, male and woman, masculine and feminine, uh, high and low, and we venture forth as one race and our unity and our attraction towards each other. So maybe uh, secret societies, maybe these these elements of you know fraternal brotherhoods and the power structures, uh, cults that reach the very top, the occult, maybe that's all code, maybe that's all the blueprints to create societies willing to both develop nuclear weaponry and then willing to... to uh, betray that same self-same nuclear weaponry because really they could put these agents in in deep cover and no one would ever be the wiser because you would see um, the loyalties shared to old world shamanic powers to old world uh, pagan human sacrifice and deities and, and cults like that put into the military industrial establishment, put into the uh, modernized world, and they'd be able to assume the cover and adopt that lifestyle and that culture the same way they did throughout the different empires of the world. Their new incarnation of Shiva, or Kali, would be uh, the nuclear weapon, would be the femme fatale of the pinup era, the all-American woman uh, embodied by Marilyn Monroe, and you would easily get a a, a uh, conversion from one cult that was, say, like a thuggy from India who uh, are very nefarious in their abilities, implementing uh, decisions on a national defense level, uh, you know, funding research, funding these black... Pro- uh, black uh, budget projects and everything and you'd see them creating not only weaponry that could destroy human life but also destroy uh, interstellar life um, like destroy planetary life, destroy galactic life by simply destroying the fundamental building blocks of existence, the atom and this might have been a weapon that was not considered by the other elemental races this might be, you know, death incarnate for everyone in existence, so that human beings may be like this child with a loaded gun pointed at the head of the world. You know, you could have this incredibly lethal circumstance or technology given to a spiritually undeveloped and uh, rather naive and ignorant um, uh, creation, this creature, this young race that that just has access to uh, the the violence necessary to create and then use one of those weaponers. And it doesn't really matter how conservative and orthodox a situation looks on the outside, say, for example, the gates of an Air Force base, the operations that are going on inside, the operations that are going on behind closed doors, and in the hearts and minds of the personnel and staff of these bases for these nuclear weapons programs could have been very occult. They could have been very... um, very much the Solomon Circle that allowed the access to these to these um, you know top secret areas. They could have been the ones calling forth the UFOs you know during that specific time, allowing them entrance um, either subconsciously or consciously. They could have been doing it uh, subconsciously because they've been programmed to, or that the entire culture was made to do so. You know, designing the very buildings themselves to be um, conducive to the the spying and the operations. 
or it could have been that that is like a it is like a, a hostile action that these people are really trying their best not allowed the nuclear weapons to fall in the hands of these aliens but the aliens are destroying them because they don't want their potential and their power to be uh something that gets in our way or gets us uh, you know too attracted to it Um, a lot of what you see in the uh, data is that it could easily be a subterranean or, or underground civilization such as the Mesoamerics or the Orion Draco, which are primarily located in the Western Hemisphere. Um, we could be developing the nuclear weapons to target their colonies. We could be, uh, you know, in the subterranean surface war or surface subterranean war. Uh, using nuclear weapons to create um, expansive cavern uh, or secure caverns underneath the earth. We could be dealing with kaiju, rogue kaiju, and that they were being protected or themselves sent as weapons. And this was like the support in a supporting campaign against the two. Um, they could have been favoring one human race over the other, one nation of people over the other. Say, for example, favoring the agendas of the United States over the Soviet Union and trying to affect the timeline. Or they, or they could have been trying to affect the timeline, trying to affect the quantum makeup of the, uh, of the uh, known galaxy for this order of... Um, of uh, the new the new sphere, the Blue Sphere Alliance, the Astro High Command, the Order of the Orion Draco, and which, and when we attain nuclear weaponry, we might say expose ourselves to a nuclear war, but that could lead us to a new era of peace. This new era of peace could lead to the development of zero point energy, and that zero point energy could one day spell the domination of the known universe to the human race. Thus, they try to prevent nuclear war, preventing the scenario. That creates ultimately our most secure and uh, prosperous future. See so that kind of subtle thinking, that kind of subtle tact, uh, those subtle tactics, that su subtle strategy, is how, say, for example, the Ashtar High Command think, and the Orion Draco think much in the same way. But they they deal a lot with more negative impulses, a lot more negative uh, criteria, such as they'll create mass hunger or mass poverty or mass starvation to uh, put pressures that would eliminate the ability to create such high-tech weaponry to fund and, and develop such high-tech weaponry, uh, which could potentially cause us to rebel and to um, combat their desires. The Elohim are a mystery. The, the mysterious effects of Nibiru, um, that's a mystery, as well as the Saturn Nine, And they are very likely culprits if you are going to look off-world, if you're going to look at an empire that does not exist on the Earth yet. Um, both those very likely candidates, especially the Elohim, because the Elohim are very mindful of other developments in the universe. They're very mindful about uh, the progress of other races, of other species, and their judgments are usually very harsh and destructive. And the nuclear weapons could, in fact, be something that directly affects them because it's been more attributed that their 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 form is made of radiation, is made of a type of UV light. Um, you know, it's a spectrum type uh, issue that they're not entirely 3D or physical so that when we developed and, and launched and tested these nuclear weapons that we were effectively creating uh, rogue versions of the Elohim or dis disrupting the Elohim's life cycle 
are affecting our uh, connection to the Elohim if they did create ourselves spiritually, if they did create the human race uh, somehow, some way, for some reason. Um, ultimately, I don't think anyone will ever get the full reason, the full potential possibilities uh, in the open, at least not from a Department of Defense standpoint. This is something that they will keep secret forever. This is something that they're going to keep secret uh, very tightly secret, very uh, above top secret because it's something that breaks the natural order of what you know is reality, what you know is the created fiction of reality, the grid-like pattern over chaos and organic um, existence that they have created with their machinery, the apparatus of their empire. Uh, I really do have to think that uh, what happened is something that happened in our best interest is something that happened uh, for our best interest, for our better nature, uh, we are saints, but we are beset upon on all sides and at all hours by uh, demons of ill will and demons of the most black of agendas, the most uh, desperate and vile of actions. And um, I believe that the nuclear weapons program, I believe these higher weapons, while they may serve to... Um, achieve our means and our agenda in the short run ultimately we have to stop and think about our agenda when it comes to uh, the true nature of the cosmos the true nature of reality the true uh, the true the truth at stake the truth that we have to gain and to to master we could plunge ourselves in endless war but really we have to come together as a community we have to come together as an intelligent species, not a species warring over um, tribal grounds, over territory, over hunting territory, uh, because it doesn't work that way. It's not a game of competition, of direct competition. It's a game of tiered levels of spiritual progress. It's a game of tiered levels of technological progress, uh, tiered levels of self-determination, of ability, of race uh, potential. I do believe that there are dark forces that work against us, and I do believe that there are forces of light that are working for us, but I believe that the forces of darkness overwhelm the forces of light, at least outnumber them. And uh, these forces of darkness can be very seductive. They can be very uh, tempting and alluring with their promises of freedom, with their promises of escape. But uh, ultimately, I believe that their empowerment, that their um, influence is, is negative, even though they try to attribute themselves as being positive, as being someone who is going to provide ascension or as enlightenment, you know, they, you will be like gods, as the lie Lucifer told, uh, or Satan, the agent of Lucifer told Eve in the Garden of Eden, and the, the you will be like gods, that apple is oftentimes metaphorically rep, uh, connected to the atom bomb and to the, um, the, the atomic bomb and its detonations and the nuclear weapons development program and um, our use of nuclear weapons, our use of our knowledge to uh, create and uh, promote the creation of such deadly weaponry. information and our knowledge leads us to the stars, leads us to the sky, leads us to the cosmos. Uh, 
this has become something of a Tower of Babel situation where we could say that for every tower we build and the aliens are, are knock it down, let's just put it simply, every tower we build, uh, aliens come from space and knock it down. Uh, so the towers must be something they fear or it must be something that could overpower them or it must be something that they uh, don't want us to have. But we never really stop and think that it's for our own good, that it's something that was simply to create and maintain an order, to create and maintain a discipline in our species that would prevent a larger chaos, a greater predatory menace to uh, victimize us, you know, allow this greater evil into our world to, to create and allow um, the darkness to overwhelm the light. And, uh, you know, in our, in our immaturity, we demand this independence. We demand this ability to create and to reach up and to make the, the heavens earth and earth the heavens. Uh, you know, we want to connect the two. We want to let ourselves into heaven. But at the same time, I feel like these galactic empires, um, even though I don't trust the Ashtar High Command, even though I don't trust them, even though I, I view that they are hostile, uh, entities, I view that they are ultimately correct in understanding that it's a permission, it's a, uh, it's a right, not, it's not a right, it's a uh, privilege, it's not a right for all living things, no matter how intelligent they are, to venture forth into the space, to venture forth into the cosmos, into the heavens, because all life brings with it death, and all death brings with it life, and you know, we have our place in, in the celestial order of things. We have our place in the great fabric of things, the great 3D matrix of life and death. Um, maybe this is just a repeat of history. Maybe they have seen this before. Maybe a, a race has come before us that had all the potential of humanity. It was a mere image of us, but was ourselves at our most cruel and our most free and struck each other down uh, you know erased each other off the face of their of their planet and we are still picking up the pieces we are still dealing with the ripple and the cosmic uh, surface so we're still dealing with the the ramifications of that ri uh, ruin maybe we were designed not to be that but we are that way because it's inevitable that our species is that way maybe we are being trained to be that way again and our species isn't naturally supposed to be that way and and this is all because of outside influence you know it's not very hard to enslave and to influence the human race uh really no one looks at the claws they just look at the chest they just look at the eyes and the lips. They don't look at the teeth. They don't look at the sharp little teeth. And they don't look at, um, you know, the, the waxiness of the hands, the artificiality of the hands. They just adore her for who she pretends to be. And they have mastered fooling and, and controlling man through his desires, through creating a pretty, uh, pretty uh, veneer, a pretty illusion when the reality is quite horrible, the reality is quite violent, the reality is quite tra traumatizing, and the reality of the military-industrial complex is quite efficient, and that they can keep playing these war games, keep creating these skirmishes between human beings, and perpetually, in, you know, 
mends the wildfires and at the same time keep both that action and the dealings with the U- or the UFO programs, with the uh, secret space programs, top secret. And they can keep people, you know, looking where they want them to look. That's how the outside powers do. They keep people looking where they want them to look and not really where they, the true agenda is going on, not really where the true action is. And it's the same with their involvement in the nuclear weapons program. This has been Rumors of War 1987. Thank you all for taking your time to watch this. I appreciate your viewership. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Please share this video with anyone you might think might profit from it. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. I deeply appreciate subscriptions. I deeply appreciate every like. If you leave a message below, I'll get to you. Thank you very much. God bless you.